0: I'm ninety, go fast.
1: again for another edition of Smith and Jones Eric Smith Paul Jones with you and uh, oh what could we dive into this week only a few things happening around the association the uh off season is upon us we could say the silly season is upon us in terms of the rumors the speculation let alone Jonesy the deals that have gone down and the money That is out there as well that is being thrown around. It's a good time to be an NBA player, to be a professional basketball player, as there are certainly riches to be had across the league. Signings coming uh, all over the place. And as I mentioned, lots of trades that have already gone down and many that have been speculated upon. And even though you and I like to try and avoid the rumor mill, it would be impossible to not at least mention and probably talk for a little while about uh, the fact that the Toronto Raptors, at least uh, in the rumor mill and some of the speculation, coming from Adrian Wojnarowski, who is you know right alongside Sham Sharania, the the top dog or dogs when it comes to news and information in the NBA. The Raptors are apparently right there in the mix for a potential deal, potential deal for Kevin Durant. Who knows what would be going the other way, but there is so much talk going on in this, of course, feeding right into summer league where all of the executives will be together, where more deals will be had and more transactions will go down. There really isn't an off-season in the NBA.
2: No, there isn't, Eric, and we always talk about it. It's, it's 24-7. As a matter of fact, the, quote, off-season season unquote or the quote silly season unquote as you call it it's the best times like for all the rumor people and all the fantasy people like the nba trade machine is getting a serious workout right now isn't it with kevin durant saying i want to trade and and the implication that he still wants to play with kyrie irving oh my goodness all the GMs are out there working the trade machine, and like like it's going out of style. And every team is putting together a package, and uh, you know, trying to sell Brooklyn on on giving them Kevin Durant. I mean, we hear sure we hear the Raptors because we're in Toronto, but Miami, uh, Golden State, uh, just just everywhere. So the, the rumor mill is is crazy. Thank goodness we have some concrete stuff to hold on to EU and I do in the last couple of games with our Canadian senior men's national team advancing to the second round. And, uh we know that they're in the second round, uh, of the qualifying for the world cup. We know there's going to be a game in August on the 25th. I'm, I'm hearing it might be Argentina, uh, but we'll, we'll get that from the horse's mouth at some point. But, um, The the uncertainty of the NBA can be replaced by some some certainty and sanity through Canada basketball.
1: Well, uh, you you said it perfectly as well, Jonesy, when you think about Canada basketball and the senior men's team uh, on Friday, on Canada Day, with the victory in Hamilton. Uh, beating Dominican Republic, and then the quick turnaround heading down to the U.S. Virgin Islands for a game yesterday. You and I had the pleasure to call both of those games on Sportsnet. Canada getting a victory in both. Yesterday, another blowout win over USVI. So Canada 6-0, moving on to the second round. uh, That game coming up on August 25th in Victoria, B.C. That will be the first in the second round for Canada. And, of course, going on this week in Toronto, Um, You know, if you're listening across the uh, country or across the world, hopefully you had a chance to uh, maybe book your tickets and descend upon the GTA for this week. And if not, you know, keep your eyes fixed on announcements for next year, because I'm sure this will be an annual event, an annual festivity and tournament, as Global Jam for the first time uh, officially tipped off earlier today. So to talk about that, and again, the Canadian senior men, plus we've got the Women's World Cup coming up in September. It's a crazy time right now for Canada Basketball. And that's a good thing and the ceo of canada basketball joining us right now uh michael bartlett michael thanks
2: for the time evening guys how are you happy to be here good, hey, all, know, good hey, all good all good hey hey i want to throw this in first all right go
1: ahead go ahead
2: paul jones and eric smith are 2-0 and oh on the call for the senior <laughs> men's national team I love like it, i know I love you it. bartlett bartlett i know you you're superstitious like you got rabbits' feet all over the house, and you're you're rubbing bald heads, and you know, like you're dressing your kids, and like you know, dress up Smith and Jones and trot them around with you. Maybe you'll get a gold medal. Uh, you know,
3: not just two and zero. Oh, I think we're plus eighty five with you on the call too, and those plus well, minus there you go. FIBA ball too. So yeah, I'll take that with me for sure. That,
2: that Eric, Erica plus eighty five even beats Kobe's eighty one.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, by a hair. By a hair, Jonesy. Um Michael, I I I was I was saying it somewhat tongue in cheek, I suppose, off the top, that it's a it's a crazy time, but that's a but that's a good thing. I mean <laughs> How do you keep it all together right now? I mean, I know you've got an army of people around you and so many people that pitch in and help out as well. It's not just you running the ship by yourself, but, I mean, it's almost like feast or famine, it seems, when it comes to international basketball and for Canada basketball, and suddenly it's all happening all at once. I mean, I didn't even mention the under-17s right now. Like, there is a ton going on, not just right this very second, but over the next few weeks, few months.
3: I think, uh, actually, Jonesy said it right when he said horse's mouth, because the we're all we're all galloping right now the whole canada basketball family is running hard and uh, we promised canada more basketball i don't know that my staff fully appreciated what i meant by that um we are um like you said we just came off two medals in the u18s our 3x3 women's just won silver in the world cup um i think they're really honestly i think they've got olympic medal potential in paris as well um and then the 17s are the men are running now the the women are out to hungary or they're in Hungary shortly and then of course you've got uh men's qualifiers and global jam happening it's uh it's a good time for canada basketball right now the we are investing in the program in a way that um, we haven't been able to before we're investing in competitive advantages to make sure that our metal potential uh, has no excuses right um listen it all come down to a game every once in a while and we can lose a game here or there, um, you know, just by being beat. But we're not going to have resource excuses. That's that's our job.
2: Michael, when I look at um, the great thing about our our team being able to play on home soil, we saw a game Friday night, a good crowd in Hamilton, an appreciative crowd. It's at times raucous, and 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 you know, really, uh, you know, urging and, and spurring our guys on. There And I go back to a, a different time period where our athletes didn't get to play a lot at home. And, you know, a lot of the qualification and the hard times were taken on in other people's gyms in other countries around the world. Uh, I know one of your things has been we want to show off our, our, our kids, our teams here in Canada. Um, it, it, it's got to be a great thing that you had the game in Hamilton. You got another one coming up in Victoria. We've got Global Jam going on. The, I mean, it's huge for our athletes to be able to do that, isn't it? Yeah, it's certainly. Is. Like, do you see the the smile on Shay's face? Um, you know, some of those moments of that
3: game where he'd hit a big shot, and he'd look up to his like Hamilton crowd, his hometown crowd. Like, that's that energy that a hometown uh, crowd gives our athletes is it's priceless. Uh, I was actually just stopped here at the arena. Uh, we got our, our women's program playing in Global Jam right now, and uh, one of the parents. Uh, me and McChesney's parents, uh, they're from Prince Rupert, B.C. They flew in for the tournament. They've coined today as the happiest day of their life. They've never seen their son play with a Canadian jersey on, on home soil. Um, they've never seen him play live because for the last few years when he's been playing around the world, the pandemic has limited uh, family travel. So there's a double bottom line. Uh, yeah, our, our program is investing in competitive advantages. We are looking to you know, generate more revenue to do that, but, The program uh, investment that we're making in these youth, in these athletes, in these families, um, you know, that's a program loyalty uh, ROI that we'll never be able to measure. But 10, 15, 20 years from now when the Canada basketball family, like, looks back on these moments, We know that this is a turning point for that for sure.
1: Speaking with Michael Bartlett from Canada Basketball. So uh, let's let's maybe kind of break some of this up. We're we're hopping all over the place, which is a good thing, which is an absolutely a good thing. Let me circle back to the senior men for a second, just because it's top of mind for us, having called the last two games. We've mentioned now a few times, Michael, six and zero, getting set for that game on August 25th on home soil. It was a great crowd in Hamilton, as you mentioned, six seven thousand people there. Uh, hopefully, a similar type crowd out in Victoria on the 25th of August as well. But Beyond that, and I don't want to, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves here. Uh, I know, Jonesy, you said this even on the broadcast, Michael. It's 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 not hard to do the math and even start thinking like, oh, okay, you know, like even if they just go 500 these next six games and three and three, nine and three is pretty damn good, and I would think is going to be good enough to qualify. Let alone if you actually do something better than that, like this six and zero oh really is putting Canada in an incredible position to have a whole ton of momentum for this next phase and really to put themselves in the best spot possible to truly punch that ticket for the World Cup.
0: Yeah, it
3: really is. We want to qualify as early as possible. um, because Then we can start to plan for it. We can storytell around it. Quite frankly, we can can do more work and more good with knowing our destiny. So, yeah, I, I honestly believe nine and three will get it done. Um, 10 and 2 will definitely get it. We want to go 12 and 0. I won't lie. Uh, we've got, and you hinted at it. Uh, I think Argentina is locked and loaded for for the 25th. Uh, I believe we'll then be going to Panama for an August 29th game. Our next window is likely Venezuela, Panama, and then the last window in February, and that's a November window. Then the last window in February would be that uh, would leave Argentina, Venezuela. Uh, so I think if we can get out of the gate three and oh we could wrap this thing up and you know punch our ticket and know what our destiny is because heading into that world cup we know it'll be some toughest basketball we've ever played and having a 10-month cycle to plan for it would be wonderful.
2: Michael one of the things that I've always talked about and we haven't had this in the past and you know a little shout out to our alumni uh, Canada basketball alumni some of those people some of those men and women that qualified on foreign soil and, and kind of help make our name on foreign soil. But I've always talked about wiring our kids to want to play for the program. It was interesting to hear uh, Dwight Powell talk about it. Eric mentioned it on the broadcast, being around people like Dirk and Luca uh, and JJ Berea and these guys that that would just die to play for their country. And and we I think we're doing that with getting the young kids involved and getting them you know, some touches on home soil and wiring our kids to, as I said, to want to wanna play for Canada. When you, when you think about that, how, how far does that go um, in the future in, in terms of uh, widening the base for, as Eric said, our senior national team, where I, I, well, I've said it, we're going to get to the point where me, we may have to cut yeah. NBA players off our national team.
3: Yeah, we've too and you know creating a program like like Global gyms under 23 age group uh, is a way to get more people playing when quite frankly there's really only 12 spots uh, at the top of the ladder senior men's and women's program 12 each. So we need more opportunities for them to play. We're doing a, a much better job. Uh, Glenn really started down this path and I'm, I'm trying to carry the torch as well of getting our alumni back into training camps, interacting with our athletes. Telling some stories, being around camp, um, you know, because quite frankly, that athletes understand other athletes, and they understand what they've been through, and they understand why they work so hard to achieve a goal. And uh, we've got a lot of alumni, we got a lot of them out in Hamilton, we got a lot of them around Global Jam this week. In fact, we're even dropping our, our uh, mini camp, a senior women's mini camp, into Global Jam week, so that the senior women can come back and get to know that under twenty three group a little better. Uh, Because they're going to be crossing over into competitions pretty soon. You know, half that roster might start to overlap uh, as we go into Paris. So we've got to, you know, we've got to be very purposeful with creating relationships within the program. The cool thing, and Jonesy and Eric, I think you've both heard me say this the cool thing about what we get to do is there's no trade deadline, there's no free agency period. Um, They're Canadian they'll always be part of this team. They might not always make the team, but they're always part of the team. And what our organization needs to do is re- understand that and make sure that everyone feels a part of the family to end up in another country.
1: Speaking with Michael Bartlett, CEO of Canada basketball, um, Michael, to that point, and again, obviously this would apply to, to the women as well. I don't mean to be focusing just on the men. They're just obviously again, more top of mind, given the, uh, the proximity of the game just being yesterday. Um, one of the things to the to the exact point you were just discussing, um, Jonesy, I don't even remember if this was on air or off air, but you think about Michael, the guys that were involved last November when the when the the World Cup qualifying first opened, then there were other guys involved in February, then we had a whole different set of players for these games that just happened in in July. There were a couple of carryovers, but. Uh, you know, the, the, the leading scorer from the last time, Kai Wilcher, wasn't a part of this team. But he was a major part of helping get to 4-0, which led to 6-0. And obviously, you're going to hope to have a whole ton of your NBA guys playing key roles on August 25th and 29th. But come November... Those dudes are back in the NBA season, let alone February when they're still in the midst of the NBA season. So the way that it's being set up, I mean, I've told you on and off air, I absolutely despise what FIBA has done. I rolled my eyes when they came up with this goofy setup five, six years ago. I think it's ridiculous for all nations, but especially for Canada and the United States. I think it's terrible. Um, but that said, it really does broaden that pool and 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 put so much importance on having that depth of talent and having, to your point, so many guys involved to make it have that that total family feel for again both the men and the women.
3: Yeah, you know, we've we've talked. You've all heard Nick talk about it, and, and certainly he's the mastermind of our uh, system continuity strategy. You know, from a coach's perspective having a pool of athletes that is one team and recognizing that that pool will be up and down and in and out depending on the variables, uh, i.e. the time of year that we're playing. Uh, But they're all playing the same system. We even had, like, Kyle Alexander had an opportunity. He played for us on Friday, had an opportunity and made a summer league team with Portland, I believe. Flew to Vegas right after Friday to join that team. We had to sub somebody in. Um, Aaron Best jumped in. He knows the system. He knows that position. He learned it the last two windows. And that's, that's the FIBA game. So we can, I agree with you, Eric, it's a bit nutty. Uh, we can choose to complain about it and use it as a reason why we just can't get over that hump. Or we can be smarter about it. And, you know, Nick and Rowan have done just that with the, the continuity roster strategy. And it's starting to take effect. We're seeing it. And, uh, you know, the next window... We do expect to have primarily our NBA guys, but then we're gonna to have to, you know, hoop it up again in November with primarily a European roster, but those guys will have learned the system. We even brought them you know, as many of them into camp as possible, even though we knew many of them weren't gonna make this this window run with us for the last two games, just so that they could keep around the system and learning, you know, the play sets and everything.
2: Uh, Michael, how much, and, and Eric and I made reference to it, and, and I love the pool, like I said, the, the, the depth of talent here, um, you know, there's only one country that we should be kind of looking over our shoulder or looking up at, and, and those that's our neighbors to the south, and I think it's great that they're in the under-23 tournament uh, in both the men's and women's tournament, because, uh, you know, to, 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 to beat the best, you got to see them and know them and get used to competing against them, but... How much of our uh, our pool strategy, our commitment strategy, was influenced by uh, the, the close losses? And then looking at what the USA did when Jerry Colangelo came in and said, we can't just roll out our NBA people and win anymore. We've got to have some, as you said, some continuity, some chemistry, some camaraderie, and build that.
3: Yeah, there's, you know, the USA example, there's really... It's entire history, only one dream team that, you know, in a blink of an eye could have rolled anybody any night. Um, Even the USAB system has really deployed a a roster consistency strategy um, that they're seeing play out over the last few competitions as well. So, yeah, we we best practice. Like the good news is it's legal plagiarism, so to speak. Um, You can learn from what other federations are doing. The European federation for decades. Uh, These young men and women um, played with each other for years. I think we learned a tough lesson um, in Victoria. and Not to say that we wouldn't have gone this far with the strategy without that loss, but I think that loss was a real eye-opener for us. There's no way we should lose, talent-wise, to the Czech Republic in that game. Uh, Their system consistency beat us. And all credit to Ronan and Nick for adopting a strategy that would reflect on that, do something about it, and at least, you know, make a concerted effort to push through some of the variables that we can't control.
1: Michael, we uh, appreciate the time as always. I know it's a very busy uh, week, busy time for you, but uh, thanks for carving out a little bit for us and uh, enjoy the rest of the week with Global Jim.
3: Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. And, and please, you know, his applause. It's going to be some of the best basketball played in Canada in the last number of years, if not the last decade. Um, amazing athletes from six countries. You know, go on basketball.ca, grab a ticket, come on down. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we need we need to cheer on these Canadian teams to uh, to get the winning blood in their system and winning on home soil is what we're all about. So please come on down.
1: Thanks very much,
2: hey, Michael. Hey, don't forget, we got a great Hall of Fame uh, Legends brunch coming up on Sunday, too, where we kind of... Crank it up around honoring those people that have put Canada on the map too, Michael.
3: Yeah, it's uh, listen. We got, a, we got a heck of a class going in this year. You know, the likes of uh, Rick Fox and Steve Nash, John Beto, uh, Michelle Belanger, UFT coach, winningest coach in New Sports history, and, and many others. Yeah, we're
1: we're excited. We, we jammed a lot into
3: this week. That's why it's called Global Jam, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, All the best, Michael. Thanks again. Thank you.
3: Appreciate you guys.
1: There is Michael Bartlett, the CEO of Canada Basketball, and uh, he might have just said it right there. Forget global jam; it's global jammed. It is jammed in this week, yeah. Jonesy. With so much going on, so much going on, and maybe I know, I know uh, you are on the board for Canada Basketball, and uh, and and part of um, you know your duties was or is uh, that that Hall of Fame uh, and the the brunch that you're talking about. So I, Michael just gave us a little tidbit, Jonesy, but maybe you can dive a little bit deeper on on what to expect on Sunday and the and the class that is coming.
2: Well, listen, we we did, um, it was arduous at times, uh, but I thought, you know, the the people on the various committees, and uh, I don't know if I would say fortunate or unfortunate to sit on, probably fortunate uh, to sit on uh, or in with three different committees when we were looking at um, this kind of inaugural class as we revamp and redo the Hall of Fame, uh, trying to make it more representative, more inclusive, um, looking at, uh, you know, some of the veterans, uh, people that deserve to be in, people that paved the way on, on, on both the men's and the women's side. And it, it, it was it was really something to sit in with uh, Ron Foxcroft, Howard Kelsey, Chris Cretelli, Misty Thomas, Leo Routens, um, you know, on, on the Veterans Committee. And then You know, the formation of a new awards and recognition committee and then, you know, sending those names to the voting committee, having them come back, just revamping everything and really excited about the people that are going in and the contributions that they've made uh, to Canadian basketball. And I guess I've been voluntold to finish it by being the MC for the Legends brunch on Sunday, but... I'm looking forward to seeing some people that really deserve to be in. Uh, Michel Boulanger, as as Michael said, you know, the winningest coach in youth sports history. Um, a guy who I roomed with, uh, Tony Sims, uh, who stared Michael Jordan down and played him, uh, you know, head up in the 84 Olympics. Uh, John Bitov, who did, uh, you know, a whole whack of stuff in helping establish basketball in Canada with the world championships in 94 and then being part of the founding footprint with the Raptors. Uh, it's just, it's it's Rick Fox, Steve Nash, you know, Angie Johnson. It's just going to be a terrific class of people going in. And I'm telling you, E, this is the start. It's going to get bigger and better. And, you know, we're going to, as Michael said, uh, involve the alumni. And and have those people that are already in. Uh, you know, a, a guy like Steve Kanchalski, who gave so much to the program as part of these committees, too, on the Veterans Committee and, um, you know, on the Diversity Council. So I'm just excited about what's going on with Canada basketball. We really are moving in the right direction, and this thing is starting to roll, and look out once it gets going. We're going to be doing damage. We're going to be winning medals, and I can proudly say that, and that's the way it should be.
1: Uh, One last thing on Global Jam, just to put a bow on it. uh, The first day of action was today. It started earlier this morning, and uh, I don't know if it's fair to call it an upset, but a bit of of a surprise, perhaps, especially with the uh, um, decisiveness of the final tally. France, on the women's side, beating the Americans 62-44. France beats the United States, and then when the men hit the floor around 2 o'clock Eastern, uh, Italy beat the United States 88-77 on the floor right now. The Canadian women in action against Belgium. And then later on tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern, Brazil facing Canada. So as uh, Michael Bartlett, CEO of Canada Basketball, said, go to basketball.ca uh, for all the information, all the latest, and to get tickets if you're interested in attending four games every day this week. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I believe it's it's essentially the same schedule each day that I just laid out, 11 2 Six and nine. So either daytime, nighttime, or heck, all the time. Attend uh, however many games you like and make sure you go check out Global Jam. And the venue itself, too, is outstanding. The way that they revamp Maple Leaf Gardens, the Mattamy Center now, uh, downtown Toronto. If you're in the area or if you've got a chance to make a road trip and get there before the weekend, it's an outstanding spot. Uh, So make sure you check out Global Jam. And uh, if you can't get into the city, well, you can always see the games on Sportsnet as well. All right, we started the show, Jonesy, talking about... Kevin Durant and trade rumors and free agent signings in the NBA and whatnot. We're going to stay on that path. We'll get into a whole bunch of other stuff as well. But our friend, our colleague, and essentially the third man on the show, he's a regular. Alvin Williams is going to join us next. And we also got to talk about Chris Broussard from Fox Sports and some of the bogus, ridiculous comments that he made regarding Toronto. That's up next on Smith & Jones.
4: Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
1: Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Thanks again to Michael Bartlett, CEO of Canada Basketball, for joining us. And on the line right now, the uh, he's the third man in the booth, basically. It's Smith and Jones and Williams as uh, we bring into the conversation. Longtime Toronto Raptor, longtime NBA, and, of course, Raptors analyst on Sportsnet, our friend, our colleague, Alvin Williams. Al, great to chat with you.
4: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. How are you?
2: All good, Al. All good, man.
1: All right, Jonesy, where where do we want to start with this thing? 'Cause cause Al, you you and I were texting a couple of days ago. I sent you the link. I know you've seen it, but you know what, what should we just play it right now, maybe no, for, no, for those no, living I, under a rock that haven't heard it or what? What do you what do you what do you, what do you
2: I, want to do? I, I we're gonna play it, but I, I wish this was we had some facial time here, some some <laughs> because I have the giant eye roll emoji when you hear this clip. All right? For me, it's like I said it on Twitter, like, "Bruh, like yeah. you, you, you're tripping." Like, I, I, I just, there's no other way to say it, and I'm gonna prove it by when we're done by talking to Alvin about this, just asking him some basic questions.
1: All right. Well, I'm on ready, all, the, the only, the only thing I'll say, Jonesy, is I wish we were on satellite radio right now because I got a few words that I'd like to say that I can't say on just regular AM. Got a few, a uh, few colorful words that I'd like to, to, to spew out. But here is. Chris Broussard from Fox Sports talking about Toronto and whether Kevin Durant, among others, would have interest in coming to Toronto for a number of reasons and factors. Again, here is Chris Broussard.
0: See, I don't think KD would want to go to Toronto. And you're right, Nick. I visited there many times. Obviously, I was there covering the league. Great city. But, Twan, you know, it's not America and you feel it when you're there. I'm telling you, especially as an African American, it's a different situation than African Americans are used to being in. And they've all, I've talked to people in that organization pre Ujiri about can they keep African American superstars there? Tracy McGrady left, Vince Carter left, Chris Bosch left. You mentioned Kawhi. I don't think KD would be happy there, and that would be a problem. That's why, to Ujiri's credit, He's made them an international team, right? All the best players they have tend to be the international guys or DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, who weren't superstars. And so I think that's where maybe a Ben Simmons, if he plays well, would they be interested in a Simmons trade or Simmons tied to Durant? So I I don't think Durant would want to go there, uh, but if they could get him, sure, that any team with Kevin Durant is going to be in the mix.
2: Al, I'm shaking my head, and I, I'm, I'm going to start with this, okay? Uh, first of all, yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's not America, because I'm not saying racism doesn't exist up here, but it's not in your face as a kid growing up in New York, all my summers in New York and down the East Coast playing in the Sunny Hill League and, 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 and spending that time in the U.S., that stuff is brazenly in your face at times. I'm not saying it's not here in Canada, but it's not the same way. It is different. It is not America. And I think it is slightly more welcoming. And with regard to Vince and Tracy and Chris Bosch, they didn't leave because it was Canada. They left to win. And Al, just give me your impressions. I mean, like I, I could be all over this for the next hour. Chris has not been here. And I like Chris when he was covering the league for the New York Times. I like Chris, but he ain't been here in a minute. And I know guys, like Paul Pierce said, it's a top five stop in the league. Charles Barkley calls it his favorite city. Shaq loves to come here. Like, I don't know where he get this from. Eric mentioned it, pre-Ujiri. Masai's been here for nine or 10 years. Like, Al, your impressions when you first came to Canada. I'm sure you thought... You were coming to Snow and Igloos, and then you got here and you went, like every other player that from the U.S. that came here, Toronto is not what I expected, and you know what? I'm good with it.
4: No, you, you're 100% right. Like, it's, When I first got there, I didn't know what to expect. But, you know, all I want to do is play basketball. I could have been in Siberia. If it was in the NBA, and I was playing basketball. I was cool. But, you know, over, the, over years, over the past years and since, the, you know, the Raptors' existence, it's always been something, whether it's the weather, whether it's the taxes, whether it's, you know, the food, whether it's the education, whether like all of that, right? It's always been some type of something there to put the team down or put the organization down or the, or the city down or the country down people never spent that much time. So I feel like I'm certified more certified than pretty much anybody that played in Toronto to speak on Toronto because I've been, I've held many positions in the organization. I've played, I've been across a lot of people from all walks of life, all different professions and I've had, I have great relationships. So speaking on Toronto is something I know he hasn't talked to me about it. And I know he said superstars, but it's not a difference between a black superstar and a black role player. You're black, you're black, wherever you're from. So whatever the case may be, Toronto, people who left Toronto, it had nothing to do with the city. It was always the organization. The organization wasn't stable at the time. There was a lot of turnover. There was a situation where the tradition wasn't there. There's a lot of reasons regarding the, the, the team and organization that I think people opted to go other places. It was never the city, it was never the people, it was, it was none of that stuff. Now, of course, you have other things you have to deal with, but every you have to do that in every city. So, Chris was he was out of pocket for that. I think I think he spoke out of turn with that. I think he's 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 misinformed and he's outdated with that with that with that narrative. So, you know, I don't think nobody should even 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 concern themselves with that with that take that he made.
1: Al, I, I'm glad you mentioned outdated. for For obvious reasons, I'm going to leave the the racial component alone because I'm I, I can't sit here and talk about that um, as as the white guy living in Canada. But the outdated part is what pissed me off more than anything. When he actually said he goes on his tirade, and then says, "I spoke to guys pre-Ujiri," as Jonesy noted, I'm going to amplify it again. He's been here for nine years. Oh, by the way, in his second stint as a member of the Raptors front office, and albeit as the main key cog, nine years. So your reference to what you think you know about Toronto or what you think certain players or people think about Toronto is referenced, dated back to nine years. Like, Tracy McGrady leaving Toronto was nearly 25 years ago When he was a 21-year-old kid under a ridiculous CBA that allowed a player, after only three years in the league, to be an unrestricted free agent. And he chose to go to Florida, to go home. Vince Carter signed an extension here and was here for three quarters of a decade. Ditto for Chris Bosh. And as you said hence the reason it was more organizational not city not country not taxes not food not the metric system not any of that crap it was the organization and where it stood but again they were both here for 3 quarters of a decade so when that stuff gets spewed i know that you say don't mind to you know don't pay much mind to it but the problem is our players or agents or coaches Or is it just fans? Is it just the social media folks and whatnot? Who is it that's paying attention? Because the fact that that narrative, Al, is still being put out there about Toronto nearly 30 years into the franchise, as a Canadian and as a Torontonian, it pisses me off to no end.
4: (laughs) It's going to piss you off because that's where your heart is, you're Canadian. But trust me, the players... They speak amongst themselves like Chris Chris is not holding weight on decision making I mean, yeah you put it out there, but you always you look at the source, you look where it's coming from, and once again, if you spoke to those players back then, right, and they told you that it wasn't a place where African Americans enjoyed being or they didn't want to stay there, those guys who left, whether it's tracy Vince Chris Damon, whoever trust me it's been it's been documented that those guys said they wish they stayed in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you got to take, you got to take both sides of the coin, right? It's like one of those things where he's trying to, and when, when you look at that, when he says, and you got to agree with me, Twan Antoine Walker, he's looking for somebody to validate what he's saying the nonsense that he's saying. And nobody's really there going to do that. Like, no, you saw the panel, everybody's looking. at am like, this guy's tripping. Like you said, Jonesy, he's tripping, man. Right? So, I think the biggest thing is that I I love the fact that where Toronto is going, and we talked about it after the championship, after the success, before the championship, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals, when players look to come to a city, they look for living, they look for paid, they look for getting paid, they look for tradition, they look for all of these things. Toronto Raptors is still a new team when you talk about where they are, right, as far as the history, when you look at, the Lakers, the Celtics, all these types of things. But the tradition is steadily growing, and players are wanting to come to Toronto now. They're not turning their head up. It's not a fifth or sixth option, somebody at the end of their career, and they can finish their career out. People are coming here, and whether it's through trade, whether it's through draft, and that's that's the strategy. I, I feel like that's where Toronto is going. So, and once again, it's somebody, you know, we are immediate now, but it's somebody that just put a take out there who... And I would never outdate the racism piece because that's very sensitive and that's real, but that's not the case where players feel like they do not want to come to Toronto because of the race and because of their background or ethnic background. That's, that's nonsense.
2: Al, you know, you made a good point in terms of building the team. And I, I want to kind of segue away from, from, from Chris and, and talk about building a team. And Toronto has done it through draft, recruitment retention like that's how you do it and and i think the city plays a part in that and so does winning because i mean no free agents go to denver or minnesota or 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 you know or mark cuban couldn't get a free agent forever no free agents go to washington or indiana they're not they're not going to these the big name free agents aren't going to these places they're they're going to places where they can win and it's And it's about the dollars too. And I, I look at what's happening in Toronto and the whole thing. Kevin Durant wants to leave New York. Okay. So, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. And, and, (laughs) and, you know, when you talk about taxes, Al, you can speak to this having, having, uh, you know, occurred a salary in Toronto. Uncle Sam's dollar goes 30% further the minute you step across the border. And the organization does everything they can to mitigate all those tax circumstances. I mean, you got you got some serious taxes in places like California and and the state of New York. That that being said, Al, that being said, all of that, um I I can't see Kevin Durant for the right reasons not wanting to come to Toronto. If things work out for him and and like why wouldn't he come to Toronto or why wouldn't he go back to Golden State or or you know why wouldn't he go to Miami or one of these places? Because these guys are about winning,
4: right? I mean, and, and that's it. Like if you talk to a hooper, who Kevin Durant is a hooper, and you're putting him in a situation where first and foremost he can hoop, and he's going to be able to hoop with some very good players, a organization, a coach that's going to you know give their all every every single outing, right? The coaches prepared the coaches you know the game plan is there they, they're, they're competing you, you want you have to consider that you have to consider that you have to appreciate it now a lot of the players they have opportunities to do other things off the court what's a better city to do it better than you have a whole country to do whatever you want to do off the court along with what you already have on 35 ventures and all this type of thing so no matter where you are you can do your business off the court now you can just expand your portfolio if you're a Kevin Durant or if you're any player. And I think every player who's played here, whether it's Kyle, DeMar, Vince, those opportunities they saw right then and there that every, no, other, no other team in the NBA can, can afford or, or can, can provide. So someone like Kevin Durant who wants to hoop, and I can't speak for him, but if you got an opportunity to come to Toronto and play with a – competitive team and the team, once he gets there, it's going to put you right at the top. Why not? Like you said, he le- he's leaving New York. He left golden state. So it's no rhyme or reason. He has his own reasons. We can't put a finger on why he does what he does, or way he thinks, the way he think, because everyone wants to go to New York. Supposedly, everyone would love to be in California and San Francisco with Steph Curry and the golden God. They were in the championships, but he still left. So, I mean, it- it's no rhyme or reason for some of these decisions people make, but Toronto is right there with any of these teams in the NBA of a destination where you want to play.
1: Speaking with Alvin Williams, uh, Al, to that very point, just uh, for, for folks that maybe haven't heard, I'm sure all Raptor fans are glued to this. It was earlier today, Adrian Wojnarowski reports on ESPN that he thinks that Toronto is right there in the mix and, and maybe has the best package to offer. Two hours ago on ESPN, Jonesy, a guy that we've had on the show many times in the past, friend of the show, Bobby Marks front office insider for ESPN. He says he thinks Toronto is the clubhouse leader right now in terms of the potential sweepstakes. Al, I'm going to break a bit of a cardinal rule here, kind of. I'm going to sort of talk around it a little bit. And the reason I'm talking around it is because I'm, I'm putting the pressure on you now. You said it earlier, you've been there as a player. You've been there as a coach. You've worked in management. Now you're a broadcaster. You've done it from all angles with this organization, Al. So take me back to either coach or more so management. And you can either come at it from I work for the Raptors and I'm in the war room or I work for Brooklyn and I'm in the war room. What's it going to take, do you think, to get a guy like Kevin Durant? Like We already know it's going to be at least two, if not three, or four first-round picks, but there's going to be at least one, if not two, or three players going the other way and is the king's ransom ultimately going to be worth it for Toronto if they go down that path? Like, what's it going to take, you think,
4: Al? Man, I mean, it's going to take all of those draft picks. All those draft picks, just pack them up, put them in a bow, and just give them up. And and that's because you, you're putting it all in, right? You're all you're going all in for a championship, similar to your Kawhi Leonard situation. Although you have more years than just one. And I mean, the players, it. it when you have a Kevin Durant, and he's so dynamic, multiple positions, score from different angles, score different ways, and now it's about what do you have around them. It's about what you have around them. And I think you've got to be willing to explore anybody on that roster. There's one person on the roster that I would not explore, and that's Scotty. I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, Scotty still brings that dynamic element to you, and he's young. And he's young would I love to have certain pieces that are currently around them because that would just make the team even more dynamic but Scotty's the one part and then you want to keep make sure if Kevin Durant is traded here or to Toronto that he's happy and we know he loves Scotty Barnes. So that's something else that if you could get away with not having Scotty in that and that and that package then I think you, you got a really good opportunity of winning.
2: Al, winning and, and winning I could... the deal Al, I couldn't agree with you more because we look at some of these guys that were, that are stars. I mean, yeah, there's the ready-made ones like Durant and LeBron when they came into the league, but Kawhi was a 15th fifteenth pick. Like, he was outside the lottery, 14 or 15 or whatever he was, and nobody saw him being what he was. Uh, he didn't, like, you know, he wasn't a rookie of the year and one of those guys that was out there. Mind you, he played with, you know, the likes of tim duncan and tony parker and he didn't have to be but like i just think the potential with scotty and i'm with you the one guy that if they say if they ask for him to me is a deal breaker no deal you're not getting scotty barnes and you're right you've got to have enough of a team around kevin durant because people are saying like well you have control for four years well hell brooklyn thought they had control for five years last year (laughs) and all of a sudden he becomes disgruntled and he says i'm out so it it is yeah. still the bottom line, Al, still is about winning, isn't it?
4: Yeah, no, it's it's about winning, and and that's what it's about. And it's about the Raptors have done such a great job of developing and it's just, just the culture of the Raptors, whatever that culture is. And you know, I'm not inside, so whatever that culture is, but when you look at the Raptors, you look at the players, you look at how they play, you look at the management, you look at the leadership with Nick Nurse, you know what product you're getting out there on the floor every single night. That's a brand. So I, I, don't, I, I feel like from a business side and just from the organization side, you don't compromise that. Of course, you have an ch- opportunity to get Kevin Durant. That's going to bring you a championship, or that's going to bring you the potential of a championship. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't, you do not want to compromise your brand. You and it's more like a college it's like kind of like a college attitude. You want to you want to make sure when you go into that living room and recruit, you're bringing the type of people that you want to have there night in and night out. So you know what you're going to provide to the crowd, to the fans, to the to everyone else, and to the league. So I think with all that being said, Kevin Durant it will put you right there in the mix if the pieces are around because Brooklyn never got there and he was there. But if the pieces are there, you still don't want to compromise everything that you've been building and everything that you are as an organization. Cause once again, when you go look at other free agents and you go over those opportunities, they want to come through stability. They want to come to tradition and they want to come to something that they know what they're going to get a top notch organization and not one that's flip flopping or just doing things to do things a knee jerk reaction.
1: Hey, Al, let me, let me um, ask you this. Cause it, you know, Jonesy just kind of brought it up about, you know, KD's Hey, he's, he's signed term and he's, he's forcing his way out. He says, I want out of here. To look at, looking at KD as the example, but there's obviously many other examples across the association over the last number of years, and there will be in the future. I, I already said this to Jonesy yesterday off the air you know, before we were doing some other work. One of my good buddies, he's a sports fan, he's a lawyer, and he says to me, and I'm, I'm interested in your perspective, Al, because you've been there as a player. Alvin Williams has a no-trade clause. The Toronto Raptors cannot move Alvin Williams. They can't deal him anywhere. But Alvin Williams can step up and say, I want out, trade me. Should there not be some sort of penalty, whether it's forfeiting 5%, 10%, 15%, 1%, 20%, should there not be some sort of a penalty for a guy that has a guaranteed contract that does not live up to his contract that basically says, trade me, I want out, because the player has all of the power then, and the organization has zero. If there's a no trade, they can't do anything, but the player doesn't have to live up to his end of the bargain?
4: No, I don't. I only I'm, I'm, you know. First of all, I'm pro player, so I, I just say all that because if the tables return, you know, no trade clause or anything, whatever you have there, players get traded all the time. Like you know, players through the history of pro pro sports, they they've signed contracts, they've done these things. It's been an agreement, and it could be a year, two years, last year they get traded. Right, that's part of that's part of sports. So when a player now is asking for a trade, I don't see it any different as an organization trading. Now, you talk about Kevin Durant asking for a trade. He's not forcing his way out because at the end of the day, the Nets have the power. The Nets can say no, we're not going to trade you. And if you're not going to play, then you don't get paid or however that whatever that looks like. We saw Ben Simmons last year. yeah, so that's the thing now that's so tricky now because players are saying, you know what, all right, I won't play. And don't pay me, and I'll take that, whatever the case may be. Do you want to make it an ugly mess? No, of course not. But at the end of the day, the Nets still have the power because he has multiple years on his deal, and if they don't trade him, they don't trade him. Now what are you going to do, not play or whatever the case may be? So, of course, you don't want to get to that point. If, you can make, if both sides can win, then you, of course you want to do that. But I, I do believe that if a player is unhappy – or I go to this organization thinking one thing, and it doesn't pan out the way I thought. Then I, yeah, I can ask for a trade. Hopefully, they'll honor my wish. Because over time, it's happened a thousand. It's happened over and over again. A lot of players committed to teams and organizations, and at the end of the day, the organization find a better deal, or it's not working out to their benefit, and then they trade the player. When they uprooted families and things like that, so. It's just the nature of the business. So players have a little bit of authority now or say so where they can request some trades, even though it's not you know it's not a popular decision.
1: Al, we always appreciate the time, man. Uh great conversation. I think we solved all the world's problems uh in the last twenty minutes. Uh, look forward to chatting again soon, man. Enjoy did. the summer.
4: Thank you guys. Have a good one.
2: All right, Al.
1: There is Alvin Williams course our colleague here on sportsnet raptors analyst and longtime member of the raptors as a player coach and uh, worked in management as well he's come at it from all angles jonesy and it's going to be fascinating to see how all this unfolds whether uh, you know kevin durant ultimately puts on a raptor uniform or or goes somewhere else um the raptors are clearly linked to all of this chatter and it seems very legit and i think that you might have a bird's eye view you're going down to vegas for summer league i won't be there but i'll be i'll be putting you on speed dial making sure you drop the latest gems on us
2: I'll try, Erica, whatever I find out down there. And and, uh, listen, Um, Toronto's a great city. Uh, The only thing I would question about getting Kevin Durant is the timing. But then again, you know, that last team that got Kawhi, they were ready to win. Not sure if this team is as ready, but you get a guy like Kevin Durant, you become very, very ready to win.
1: Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please download, rate, review, and share as well. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Smith & Jones.